So let's continue. We're, we're talking, I wrote the word syncretism on the board. Some of you can, can look that up. That is what we, it's actually very common. Uh, when, I, when I traveled in South America, very, very common for when the, let's say, Christian missionaries would go, or it was essentially Catholic missionaries that evangelized. They would go in, but very, very quickly, whether it was with them or with the people, the um, traditional idolatry would sort of move in alongside what the evangelists were, were talking about, and everyone just thought that was okay. And in many places in South America, it's, it still exists today. And in any, any cultures that has a lot of idol worship, it's much more popular than we would imagine it today. So let's continue chapter, chapter 18. We're going to be learning a little bit about tribalism here. What was happening with the tribes? We're in Judges chapter 18. In those days, there was no king in Israel. You know, we're here to eventually move into the kingship, but it's important that phrase keeps coming back. In those days, there was no king. In those days, the tribe of the people of Dan was seeking for itself an inheritance to dwell in. For until then, no inheritance among the tribes of Israel had fallen to them. Now, the truth is, Dan had received an inheritance from Joshua. Uh, you can go back to the book of Joshua and look at it. I've marked it with a D here on the board. It's the inheritance of Dan. Dan was the very last tribe. They, they chose their inheritance by lots. So it was a, a lottery system. Dan was chosen last. They got the last piece of land. But this piece of land, here's my question, was it in the hill country? Beachfront property. They got beachfront property. Here's another question. Which land, which land is more desirable, the hill country or the flatland? Why is the flatland more desirable? It's more rich. It's, it, you can farm it. If, if you're going to, someone gives you a property with trees on it, what do you have to do before you can farm? And in fact, Joshua did give them instructions to take clear the land and farm the hill country. But a couple of the tribes got really bonuses. They've got really good land. So there's a pros and cons to having been given such incredible land. It is incredible land, but what land would probably be the most contested land? What land would people already be living in? The good land, the, 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 the plains. God was going to provide for them wherever he sent them. But the people of Dan are saying, basically, as, we, as we're going to discover, they couldn't conquer this land. Joshua comes in, and they have a campaign for southern Israel, for northern Israel. And they conquer much of the central part of the land. And then Joshua gives them their inheritances and says, continue to drive out the people and take your inheritance. It's yours. Take it. But it was a lot easier when Joshua was there. And now that they're sort of left to their own tribes, 
as you can read in the first part of Judges, and I hope this week you'll go back and pick up some of this backstory, why didn't the tribes take over their land? There are passages that say, and the land was subdued before them. Well, the central part was subdued before them. And it said they had rest. Yes, they had rest. They had a place to live. But the, the good land and the plains, that part of Israel was not subdued. And what happened was the people of Israel decided it was probably going to be too hard. I think we're going to let the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, all these other people who were in the land, it's just probably better to let them stay. And God warned them what would happen if they let these people stay. And that's important to know. It's important to know why God wanted them to clean all the people, to clear all the people out of there, and especially clear their idols out of there. Because if you let them stay, within a very short period of time, you're going to be marrying your, their sons, their daughters, wondering, and we could even talk, why is idolatry so enticing? Like this pattern keeps going over and over, and we think, well, that's not enticing to me. I would never bow down to a graven image. But in the next discussion, I want to talk about why would someone do that? What is the allure of idolatry? Because we want to understand these people and we want to say, I can understand them. I need to be careful of idolatry in my own life. But let's keep going with the people of Dan. So the people of Dan sent five able men from the whole number of their tribe, from Zorah and from Eshtual, to spy out the land and to explore it. And they said to them, go and explore the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. As I said, I think Micah had some sort of an inn. He's a wealthy man, and he lives on the main road. And there was a main road. I've, I've made some green dots. This is Dan. And so he's coming over this way to the hill country of Ephraim. So the people of Dan are coming over to catch this road to go north. They're basically looking for a spot for them because they are unable to conquer the land that was given to them. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Why could they not conquer the land? There's a theme here, and you read it in the book of Judges. It just The narrator doesn't always give us the answer. He says, and the people were unable to conquer the land. One of the things listed about the people that lived in the plains is that they had iron chariots. If you're a farmer and someone comes at you with an iron chariot, it's like a tank. It's, it's a very difficult war machine. But as you read the scriptures, you will notice that God routinely defeats armies with iron chariots. They don't seem to be a problem for him. But what was a problem with these Danites? When they went to the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, Who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What's your business here? And he said to them, This is how Micah dealt with me. He hired me. I've become his priest. 
And they said to him, Inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on which we are setting out will be successful. And the priest said to them, Go in peace. The journey on which you go is under the eye of the Lord. Then the five men departed and came to Laish. Now, Laish, all the way at the top, you'll see there's a little red dot and it says Dan. They were supposed to take the, the land here. They have gone all the way to the very north of Israel and they have found a city. What kind of city did they find? They found people who lived in security after the manner of the Sidonians. Quiet and unsuspecting, lacking nothing that is in the earth, and possessing wealth, and how they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anyone. They came to their brothers. They said, Arise, let's go to them. We've seen the land. Behold, it's very good. Will you do nothing? Don't be slow to go. Let's enter and possess the land. As you go, you'll come on an unsuspecting people. This word is going to be used three times. Because remember, we're we can't figure out which way is up. Are the Israelites the good guys or the bad guys? They have, instead of doing what God told them to do and conquering the land that he gave them, which is a good land, they have decided now that they're going to go find their own land. So they come upon this unsuspecting people. So 600 men of the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, set out from Zorah and Eshtal and went up and encamped in Judah. They passed on from there to the hill country of Ephraim. They came to the house of Micah. Now they've brought, they had five guys. Now they have 600. They're going to go and take off. They're going to go and conquer this city in the north. Then the five men who had gone to scout out the country of Laish said to their brothers, do you know that in these houses there is an ephod and household gods and a carved image and a metal image? Remember, we learned that the metal image was made of solid silver. So they have noticed in Micah's house he's got a shrine and it actually has quite a lot of value to it. They turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite, asked him about his welfare. Now the 600 men of the Danites, armed with weapons of war, stood by the entrance of the gate. The five men who had gone to scout out the land went up and entered and took the carved image and the ephod and the household gods and the metal image, while the, while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate. And when these went into Micah's house and took the carved image and the ephod and the household gods, you see how the narrator is telling you all of these Idols that are in Micah's house, he keeps saying it over and over. So you're getting this idea. I'm confused. Was Micah a believer in the God of Israel or, or not? Exactly the question you're supposed to be asking. And now these Danites are going to be coming. What do they think is valuable? They went into Micah's house. They took these and they said to them, and the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, keep quiet. Put your hand on your mouth and come with us and be to us a father and a priest. 
it is better for you to be a priest to the house of one man or to be a priest to a tribe and a clan in Israel. And the priest's heart was glad. He took the ephod and the household gods and the carved image and went along with the people. Oh, you need help carrying those? I'll help you. There's some, there's some humor here. The, the narrator is putting humor in. Oh, you, you're going to steal this stuff? Hey, what are you doing? Oh, you want me to come with you? Okay, I'll carry them. I'm the priest. I'll carry the idols. I'm the Levite. I'll, let me carry out the idols for you. That, oh, that silver's heavy. Yeah, let me, let me take it. What is going on here? So they turned and they departed. When they had gone a distance from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house were called out and they overtook the people of Dan, who turned around and said to Micah, What's the matter with you that you come with such a company? And he said, You took my gods and that I made and the priest. And go away. What have I left? What do I have left? He said. How then can you ask me what's the matter with you? And the people of Dan said to him, Don't let your voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows fall upon you, and you lose your life and the lives of your household. Then the people of Dan went their way. When Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his home. But the people of Dan took what Micah had made and the priest who belonged to him, and they came to Laish, to a people quiet and unsuspecting, and struck them with the edge of the sword, and burned the city with fire. And there was no deliverer. And then they rebuilt the city and lived in it. They named the city Dan after the name of Dan, their ancestor, who was born to Israel. And the people of Dan set up the carved image for themselves. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses, and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up Micah's carved image that he made as long as the house of God was at Shiloh. Did you see that contrast? As long as the house of God, the tabernacle of God, was at Shiloh, they set up idols in Dan. There's something very interesting here that a lot of people may miss. If you go to the book of Revelation chapter 7, you will see that of the 144,000 witnesses, the tribe of Dan is missing. Tribe, they have 12 tribes. The tribe of Dan is missing. It doesn't give any reason. There's no explanation. But I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that they said, we're not taking our land. We're going to go kill a people that God has not told us to kill. A quiet and unsuspecting people. God was very particular about the people that he wanted removed. There was a point where he said the, the sin of the Amorites has not reached its full potential. I don't want you to kill them now. So God was very particular when he said this, these people are so sinful. They are so perverted. They are so wicked. They need to be destroyed. They need to be removed. Now, it's a very foreign concept to us today. We talk a lot about tolerance and 
uh, how everyone should be happy. And that, that's what the Israelites thought. And they ended up with a situation just like we have read this morning. Ironic, ironic. The people of God who are supposed to represent God find a quiet and unsuspecting people and they hack them to death. And then they, I, I don't understand this thing about burning their city when you wanted to live there. The whole thing is just kind of crazy. And you get the idea that these Danites, although they couldn't conquer the land that they were supposed to, they're sort of bullies, aren't they? They're tough guys. They go after quiet, unsuspecting people. The, this idea of a bully, of a narcissist, of someone who says, what's wrong with you? I, I took your stuff. You, you should be happy. You know, Don't make too much noise. I'm going to kill you. I, we're stronger and bigger than you. This idea of power, this idea of might, of wealth, all coming together. And for the last minutes of class, I want to spend some time talking about idolatry. In our culture, because I want us to relate this to us, what would constitute an idol in your life? What would constitute an idol in my life? Money. Money. Good. I want you to think about. I want you to think about that and actually talk at your tables about it. I think it's important to to discuss it. And this week, I really hope that you'll ask the Lord about it. Naomi and I spent some time last week just asking the Lord, "Hey, Father, are there any idols in my life? I want to know. I don't want to be surprised. I think I believe Micah would have been surprised if you would have come to him and said, Micah, you're you're in sin. You have idols in your house." I don't think it even registered. I, I, he believed that God was going to prosper him because he had idols and a Levite. He had all the bases covered. So the questions we want to ask ourselves, what does God want and what do the people want? And we want to take this, the scripture, very, very carefully. It's not just entertainment. This is very dramatic. I hope you will read the end of Judges next week. It is the low point of Israel's history. The worst of the worst. And it's out of that that God is going, the people are going to start wanting a king. And you can see how the chaos is building here. But let's take a, a little break and talk about any of the things that we've covered so far. The Danites being bullies, the wealth, the, the idolatry. What are the idols that you see and maybe you can even identify them in your neighbors. You may not be introspective enough to see them in yourself, but let's just talk about some idols that other people might have, uh, and let's talk about that for the next uh, five minutes. Let's go. This idea of being a priest for money, this idea of being able to survive, how is God going to take care of me, or do I have to see it? And that is a theme that's going to be woven through the scriptures, and it's a theme that very much affects our lives. Do I have to see it before I believe it? Because faith requires, if once you see it, it's actually not faith, is it? And God is very big on faith. He's very big on trust. 
And what I, what I want to do, uh, just wrapping up here, I want to begin the discussion next week on idolatry. I want you to be thinking this week, praying this week. If you're spending time reading the scriptures, you're spending time with the Lord, with your spouse. Naomi and I spend a fair amount of time reading the Bible and talking through these things. That's why it comes out much more dramatic when I talk about it than when you read it. It's because I've discussed this with my wife, and I hope that you will find someone that you can discuss the scripture with, and it will come alive to you. Why did he say that? Why did he do that? What are the idols doing there? Is that Was that the intention? What is the narrator saying? Because he doesn't say that they're good or bad. That bothers a lot of us. We're used to there being a moral judgment on each statement. He's expecting you to know. He's expecting you to know the law of God and to know what is the first commandment. Right, God is first, no idols. This is number one. The law, the tablets of the law, were in the Ark of the Covenant, and they were at Shiloh. So they were in; they were actually within the borders of Ephraim. They weren't that far away. But the law wasn't being circulated. People weren't reading it. They weren't having it read to them. And that's why it's so important that we have a hunger for the Word of God. That's why I have a hunger, and I hope in this class... The one thing I'm praying is that the hunger and the passion that I have will be transferred to you, and you you will have a new passion, insight, um, interest in reading the Scripture and understanding it and studying it and then applying it, because this is the key to wisdom. It's the, it's the key to God's heart. What does he want? He wants people to know him. Micah very clearly did not know the Lord. He used his name, but didn't know him. Thought, why? Because he was kind of interested in making sure everything would work out. He wanted to prosper. Well, God does want to prosper us. Clearly, he wants to prosper us. He wanted to prosper Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. His people are supposed to be prosperous. He was also expecting Dan to trust him, to have some faith. And you may want to think this week, what did God want Dan, the tribal people, to do if they were having trouble with the people of the land? He told them to take the land, and they said, I'm not even sure they tried. They probably took a good look and said, chariots, let's go find some weaker people. Uh, we can unsuspecting people, and we can hit with the edge of the sword and burn their city. It, how do we get caught up in this? So, Father, I thank you for everyone who's come today. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for Jesus, who is the living word. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to know you. We want to serve you. We want to understand you, love you, trust you, and have the faith that you want us to have. Bless everyone here and their relationships, especially their relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.